Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey guys, it's Morgan. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, If you aren't aware, this is the second to last episode. We're going to talk about something going on in the news and my thoughts on it and then other things that sprung up from that general topic. That being said, let's get into it. But of course, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now has a brand new fabric that's made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code MORGAN. MyPillow 2.0 has temperature-regulating technology that's 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, use promo code MORGAN. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MORGAN. Thank you so much. Okie dokie. So, just to get things started, if you haven't seen, there was a school shooting where children died and adults died, and it turns out it's because a radical trans person walked in and wanted to do that to other people. So we're still getting information out there. What we know so far is the media is ignoring the fact that this person has a certain background and others are trying to call attention to it because they think that it's important for us to understand the cause and the reasons for these things. Now, the first thing that comes to mind with this is I just want to remind you guys, like I used to do a lot of media commentary. I used to go on the news and what they would do is I had a slot a couple times a week and they would send a few hours before the topics that had happened in the last like 24 hours or anything that had happened that morning. And they would send like an article giving you an understanding of the general topic in case you didn't hear about it yet. And then I would have a little bit of time to look into the topic, come up with my thoughts, and then I'd go on the news. And we would kind of talk about each topic for a handful of minutes. It went by very fast. So you really could only say a couple of things. And you, to me, it's like, I could say really general stuff, but I would try and put a lot of thought into it and be really intentional and find some some numbers that showed some background information or added more context to the situation. I would just try and help the conversation instead of giving really blanket answers. But what I found, because I ended up doing it for probably about two years, as I did it more and more, <laughs> and you do it every week, eventually there's like a pattern, right? Where Joe Biden does something and then we talk about how he's old and how he shouldn't be in office and should there be an age restriction in office and then something happens with corruption or something happens with China or something happens where a new study comes out and let's say young people oh my gosh they're supporting socialism so now we've got to talk about why young people support socialism and what's wrong with the education system and then in the midst of all the frustrations in the midst of all the corruption and all the government authority that's being abused weaponized against the United States and its people, well, then a school shooting happens or then a shooting happens in general. And then you got to whip up, or at least in my head, I would have to think, okay, what do I say when a shooting happens? And when that started to 
become a pattern of like, okay, another shooting happened. What do I usually say about this? Well, our side is going to take the mental health approach and we're going to talk about what happens with the background of these shooters and what happens in their families and all the things that led up to them carrying out such violence. And then we're going to talk about how no matter what, if there's guns or not, violence will occur. And then the other side is going to say that we should ban guns. And then we're going to talk about how historically we shouldn't do that. And then I'm going to mention that I'm five feet tall and I want to be able to self-carry and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like... (laughs) It became quite a cycle, and it's kind of a nasty cycle, don't you think? And so what do you know? Another shooting happens, and we see our side say, there's all these veterans. We should employ veterans. We should have armed guards. Teachers should conceal carry. We need to understand what's going on with the mental health in this country. We need to understand young people. Why are they doing this? And then the other side is, what do you know, calling for a ban on guns and saying that we're evil for even recommending this. So we could have a podcast episode where I give you the usual spiel that you're going to hear from our side. But honestly, guys, we all agree on this, right? We all understand what's really happening here. So I'm going to try and touch on some other topics relating to this and um, the things that come to my mind that aren't maybe in the mainstream line of talking just to just to get us out of this this cycle of constant political talk and our side's talking points. Because yes, we all agree on them. I'm not saying they aren't relevant or important. I'm saying they are, but to keep repeating them to our own side is like preaching to the choir. So one thing that I do want to mention before we get into the general topics is Benny Johnson tweeted this. He said the Colorado Springs shooter identified as non-binary. The Denver shooter identified as trans. The Aberdeen shooter identified as trans. The Nashville shooter identified as trans. One thing is very clear. The modern trans movement is radicalizing activists into terrorists. And I found this interesting because then Elon Musk replied to that with an exclamation mark. So that's kind of something, one of the bigger tweets that caught my attention. I also saw something, and I don't want to you know, confirm that this is official, but I did see that the trans person's social media, I think on LinkedIn, had their pronouns, their trans pronouns, and the pronouns got removed from the account. So that's really interesting, if that's true. Because what it says to me, and the fact that we aren't seeing the media cover this, shows that they care more about protecting the radical woke LGBTQ plus movement than they do about the fact that children were just killed and and adults were just killed in an innocent school. I want to say that it's shocking, but it's really not because politics is the priority for them. The, The goal of their political movement is more so to protect the image of the trans movement. Because if we start associating the shooter as a trans person, what they're going to say is, oh no, now trans people are at risk. Now you're not going to like trans people. Now you're going to be mean to trans people. Now you're going to generalize. That's not the case at all. But the fact that they're going right to that is highly concerning to me. And it should be to everybody because now there's dead kids. You know what I mean? So it's just a whole new level of disturbing. But what else do we expect in this time and age? You know what I'm saying? So that's what really caught my attention just about the trans stuff, that we're seeing a pattern now. And the fact that some people don't want to talk about the pattern is highly upsetting. The next part of this is, once again, we have to understand it's never going to happen. We can never let emotional moments like this where people on the left who are scared of firearms, we cannot let them use these emotional moments to force us into terrible policy decisions like banning firearms, okay? When you bring emotion to the table and when you remove logic, when you remove intent, when you remove 
centuries of historical precedent over what happens when an unarmed population gets taken control of by bad people, what do you know? Bad things will happen. So we have to learn from our past to prevent that from happening here. That's what our founders did when they gave us the Second Amendment. And it's what we can learn time and time again when we see authoritarian, tyrannical regimes, specifically socialist and communist, come into power and then slowly begin to regulate firearms and then remove them completely. We've seen that in historic times and then also in modern history in countries like Cuba and Venezuela. So I imagine this as this is a very serious topic and we need to have an adult conversation. So if you're only going to bring your emotional talking points to the table and claim that we need to get rid of guns because they're bad and this is happening and you aren't interested in having the discussion and the research into the cause of these things if you don't want to find the cause handle it and do it all without removing the crucial protection and right of the american people the the thing that stands between us and tyranny us and authority abuse then i can't take you seriously that's just how it is so it's not like oh no something happened and now i am as morgan zegger's questioning my entire belief system rooted on things like the second amendment no no no. it's just not happening and so when these things happen i think we all just need to stay calm we need to let them have their emotional moments we need to pray for the people affected we need to be sincerely helpful in supporting those families supporting the communities and making sure that it doesn't happen again and by making sure it doesn't happen again we have to look at the root causes okay and people that can't see the bigger picture like that, I have a hard time taking them seriously in this. And I don't think we should be taking them seriously in this. I think we just have to be whoever is willing to be the adults at the table. They're the ones who sit down and we actually start to work on it. I don't think there's ever going to be compromise on a topic like this. And so the people that are interested in helping, they should be the ones there. Now, I say all this because like I said, history is very clear. The Second Amendment is not about hunting. And so sometimes you see those cheap talking points from people on the left that say, well, you don't need an AR-15 to shoot a deer. Yeah, thank you. We aren't saying that that's why we want an AR-15. The Second Amendment is put into place to protect us and give us the power to check authority. It's the ability to provide that check on power if ever needed. So I'm not changing my mind on it. It's really simple. We have a system of checks and balances in this country. We're a federalist republic where you have federal power, state power, local power, and then, of course, the power of the people. And the power of the people can be with voting, but it is also with our ability to protect ourselves and then hold tyrants accountable. And this happens throughout history. So we are really blessed to be in this country with the Second Amendment. And that's what it's really all about. Now, the other part of it is, you know, individually, it's very important for people to be able to protect themselves from bad guys out there because human nature, mankind, man, there is some evil out there. And I've seen those pictures of that shooter that walked into that school of children, how they were dressed. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. And I don't look at that and say, geez, let's remove guns from everybody. I want to become more trained when I see somebody like that. Because I don't know about you guys, but I'm five feet tall. I'm 120 pounds. And it's my equalizer. Okay, so I know a lot of girls are listening to this. If you don't have a firearm, I highly encourage you to get a firearm. And that's what I want to talk about on the episode today. 
we can't change what's happened. We can support the families, pray for the families, and actively search for solutions that will prevent this mental sickness in our society. And we can work on that. And I am so interested in doing so, but I am not going to fall for the left's emotional demands. I'll tell you that. Instead, we're going to talk about positive solutions. And one of those solutions is to become more proficient with our own firearms and to get one if you don't have one. I'm not saying if you're bad at it, you should be like waving it around, carrying it around with you all the time and thinking you're going to become a superhero because that's probably not the case. But I'm saying that if you trust yourself and if you're interested in learning, it is very, very important that you actually lean into that. And that's what I did because I really didn't know much about firearms. I hadn't owned one. And when I started to live on my own, that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to look into this. And I started to get my concealed carry. I always carry now. I am never not concealed carrying unless I'm like in a scary blue state that doesn't support that kind of stuff. But fortunately, I live in a constitutional carry state where you can just have it. (laughs) So I'm always concealed carrying. And to me, because I'm five feet tall, because I don't want to die, because I don't want to become a victim, I want to have a fighting chance. (laughs) And because I know that there is evil out there, I conceal carry. So for the women, and sorry guys if this isn't very helpful to you, for the women, two options that I have used before that I find I like myself because they fit my hands. My first gun was a Glock 43X. So we're going to talk about what I have first. Glock 43X was my first gun, concealed carry. Now I'm tiny, so the Glock 43X, even though it's a very small option and it's always really the suggestion for a Glock if you're going to carry as a young lady, well, it's very big on me. And so when I appendix carry, which means I have a holster that goes inside of my waistband, basically over my belly, inside my pants, the gun takes up my torso. <laughs> and so what's funny is like I've I've had it before and people have looked at it and said, oh, that's a nice Glock 19. In reality, it's not a Glock 19. It's a tiny Glock 43X, but on me, it just looks abnormally large. So what I like to do is have that one in my purse if I'm going to be concealed carrying in my purse or if I'm going to keep it like in a, a different compartment, like a fanny pack or something like that. So because that Glock 43X is so large on me when I'm trying to wear it on my body, I also got a SIG P365 and that is much smaller. It fits my hand a lot better and it definitely fits my body a lot more. So when I'm appendix carrying girls, that's what is in between my pants and my belly attached to my belt. Okay. So those are my two options. If you haven't looked into them, please don't just randomly buy them. Please make sure you go to a gun store, explain to the nice gunman or woman that you are new to this, that you're trying to learn, just humble yourself before them. Okay. Don't try to come off and be like, listen, I know a lot because I listen to Morgan's podcast and I need a blah, blah, blah. Just humble yourself. Admit that you don't know much. You're trying to learn. You would love to sign up for lessons, pay for lessons, and you would love to buy this gun. And then you ask them, what else do you suggest that I buy? Now, here's the thing. You got to save up money for this because it is a purchase, especially if you're a young woman. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) we're not rolling deep, 40 years old. We have a bunch of uh, money in the bank, all that stuff. If you're young and you're trying to save up for a gun, save up for it, look for the general prices, and then talk to the people at your gun store and really develop a relationship with them so that they understand, okay, this young lady is trying to get some stuff. She needs ammo. She needs all the practice stuff. And we're going to fully equip her because you just, you really want to go all in with this and you don't want to go half in, half out. Now, those are my two favorite guns to conceal carry. Here's the thing. 
like I said, when you go to the gun store, you got to humble yourself. So with buying a gun, you really need to make sure that you're also buying lessons. Now, my first lessons were actually with Paige Rue from Turning Point USA. She lives in Arizona. It's when I was over in Arizona living there too. She's some chick who shoots on Instagram. Her family owns gun stores in Arizona and she was really, really sweet. And it's nice to learn from a woman who can kind of understand we've got the small hands, we've got the small body, we want to protect ourselves from certain things. And, you know, as a lady, it can be a little intimidating to ask some big gun guy to help you and get lessons from them. So it's okay if it's intimidating, but I will say they're often just very nice. So don't be intimidated. If you can find a woman though, that's really awesome. And there's different things that you can search for. You can ask the local gun store if they know anybody and can connect you or if they offer trainings themselves. This is the other thing that you have to save up for and budget for. I've said before, like I budget for buying books, but I want to tell you also, I budget to pay for trainings and things that I really want to be taught in person. I know with the internet, it's kind of crazy. People are like, you can learn anything these days. And with the internet, you have no excuses. You can learn it all. And there's all these YouTube tutorials on how to do things with guns and all these YouTube tutorials on how to do literally every life skill that you need. So I get it where they say there's information for everything, but I do personally just love learning in person. There are some things that I want to be able to ask questions on. I want to be able to like have my hands on the item. I want to be able to learn from somebody that is passing that information to me. I don't know how else to explain it, but like I find that really valuable and helpful. So this is one of those things that, yeah, you can watch a ton of YouTube videos and get information, but I really recommend saving up and paying for an expert to teach you how to do it. And then from there on, they can give you some drills, they can give you some practice techniques, and you can start even going to the range on your own. But I get that it seems intimidating right now. I understand. I went through all of this. (laughs) So those are two things that I really suggest is to go to the gun store, admit, listen, I want to get started. And then also as you're saving up to buy the stuff and preparing to buy the stuff, testing it out with your hands, then you also look into getting proper training. Okay. So like I said, I live in a constitutional carry state, Texas. That means (laughs) that anybody, unless you, you know, shouldn't be having a gun, pretty much anybody can carry conceal carry if they own the firearm. You don't need to go through another process through the state to get approval to carry a gun on you because, well, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, says that we all have the right to do so. So that's what constitutional carry kind of implies. In other states, it's not the case. But I'll tell you, because of constitutional carry, like when I moved from Texas to Arizona, I drove from Texas to New Mexico to Arizona, and all three of those are concealed carry states. So I just had my guns in my forerunner and I drove across the state lines and I was good. You cannot do that in other states. <laughs> you cannot transport guns into other states. You would like have an issue. So you would have to like go through a professional process of transporting the guns from one state to another. But because those are all three constitutional carry states, I was able to do so. And I felt much safer because I could go on my adventures in those states and not have to worry about not having one. So I'll talk about a little bit more of the state stuff, but just to cut in and kind of explain how I conceal carry for anybody that hasn't really done it before, or if you're curious as a girl, because we have different kind of outfits. I was mentioning earlier that I have appendix style conceal carry holsters. So that means that if I'm wearing pants with a belt, jeans, and a a nice sturdy belt. 
I have a holster that clips onto that and my holster specifically can clip onto the fabric of the jeans and still be sturdy without having to clip onto a belt in case I'm not wearing one. But it clips on in the front, kind of right in front of your belly, right below your belly button. And the gun is inside. So it's like pants, gun, belly button. That is really nice if you have a nice thick shirt over knee, over top of it because you got to cover it up. Um, for me, like I said, that Glock 43X was really big. And so a lot of times it would like poke out even if I was wearing a big sweater. And so it didn't really work out. So if I'm wearing like a flannel or a button up over top of that, it definitely fit. So that's that classic appendix style carry. But what I also do is I have a really nice purse that has a hard shell holster sewn into one of the pockets and the gun fits nice and snug into my concealed carry purse. Now there's a lot of um, controversy about if you should carry concealed carry in a purse. I rarely do anymore because there's just different situations. Like say you're walking down the street and you have it on your shoulder and a robber comes and rips it off of you. So one of the number one things to do is to carry it over your body. Don't just hang it on one shoulder. There's little things like that. But if you misplace that purse because you get neglectful, I'm sorry, but you should, if you're like that, if you've got a bad memory, do not conceal carry. Okay. It's really something that requires a lot of responsibility. Um, so just keep that in mind. The other thing I do is I fanny pack. Okay. I, I made it a verb fanny pack. If you wear a fanny pack and you put a gun in it, <laughs> I keep a little, um, holster on it in the fanny pack just for like safety purposes, but I have the gun in the fanny pack and then I have it around my belly. And that's what I do like when I'm running, working out, hiking, adventuring, or really anything where I just want to have free hands and I'm not like wearing a purse, but I'm also wearing like athletic gear and I don't have pants or a belt to really connect the gun to. Now, the other thing, if you go to con- comfortconcealment.com, I saw this because Lena or Lena, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Lena, M-I-C-U-L-E-K is her last name on Instagram if you guys want to find her. Um, she has Rose by Sig Sauer, and I really want to buy it. Um, it's a really cool package for women, for concealed carry, for practicing, all that stuff. It's really, really cool if you're looking to get that for yourself, or if you are a guy and you want to get a gift for your lady, that would be really, really sweet. The Rose by Sig Sauer collection or package, whatever it is. But I saw Lena on Instagram have this really cool, thin, but really sturdy belt around her waist and she linked to comfortconcealment.com and you guys it is good for women if you are not wearing jeans or pants or some side of work some sort of like workout material any of that stuff where a fanny pack wouldn't work and stuff like that if you are in a dress or a skirt or a blouse or really anything that's more womanly I guess you could say that cool strap around your waist or around kind of like your belly area your rib cage almost too you could put it in different areas, but it looks awesome. Okay. And so I saw it and I was immediately drawn to it. Definitely a really good option as well. On top of that, just so women know, I have a little strap around my leg that has a knife on it. Okay. <laughs> so that's like another non-gun thing, but it's just something that I like to have for safety purposes. So back to the point about the States though, I could do all these things. <laughs> I can have, you know, a little strap around my belly when I'm wearing a dress or I can have an appendix carry holster. I can wear it in my purse. I can have a fanny pack and fanny packing, get it? I could do all these things because in Texas it's concealed carry and they believe in the constitution. Very simple concept. You know what I mean? 
And to kind of close up that concealed carry and suggestion stuff for guns, I do suggest you guys follow Paige Rue, some chick who shoots on Instagram, and then Lena. Again, Lena's last name, it's first name L-E-N-A underscore, last name is M-I-C-U-L-E-K. Those are my two favorite people to follow about this. The next would be, of course, to invest in proper training and pay the money now. You know, invest now that money instead of suffering in the future and just really never honing your skills there. I went once a week, and so it was easy for me to pay into. It was totally worth it, and I'm really glad that I did it. Just like I save up for books, I also save up to buy these trainings, not just in guns, but I've also done archery ones as well, and then I also buy ammo. So I have like a little fund where I save up this money. I'm a weirdo. Okay, so in addition to the how-tos of kind of getting into that concealed carry stuff, leaning into it, I get a lot of questions about the general migrations of people from California, New York, Illinois, to other states like in the southeast of America or Texas. And this actually relates to what I was just talking about. Because like I said, in Texas, in New Mexico, in Arizona, all the places that I've been, I was able to just have my guns, I conceal carried them however was best for my outfit or the activity of what I was doing, and I never go anywhere without it. Okay. It's just something that gives me so much peace. I know how to properly use it. I feel calm about it. It doesn't give me anxiety to have it around me. Like I've, I've seen other people that get very anxious and nervous around the presence of a small SIG 365. And it really upsets me because if you just understood the basics and you took a little time to practice and learn, you would feel so much more comfortable and you would be able to be an asset for yourself or the people around you, like your family in the future. So please work on getting that anxiety down if you are struggling with that. And all it takes is just some time. Now, because I lived in those areas, it was nice. It was safe. I never had to worry about stuff. I filed the paperwork when I went to go buy the firearm. And then I walked right out of the gun store carrying my gun. That's how simple it is. Now, it's funny is when I was in New York state visiting my dad we went to the gun store, SWAT. And because when I go to buy guns in Texas, I'm used to going to the gun store, paying, filling out some paperwork and leaving with my gun. We went in New York and my dad wanted to try out the SIG. So we bought the SIG. He pays for it. It's out on the counter. And the guy behind the counter (laughs) takes my dad's paperwork, takes the payment, all that stuff, and then takes the gun and starts walking away. And so I am there and I'm like, oh dad, do you want to, do you want to, and I'm trying to get my dad's attention. I'm like, dad, did you want to get the, the gun? And the people in that store, you guys, in that New York gun store looked at me and said, Morgan, (laughs) you've been gone from New York for too long. Cause that's where I grew up. They're like, Morgan, you've been gone for too long. You're too used to Texas. You're not going to see this thing for weeks. And I was like, what? It takes weeks at least to get approval to have the gun that you buy in New York. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. So I'm used to Texas. I go into the gun store, I pick it out, I get my little baggie and I say, thank you so much. And I walk away with it. And then there it's like, okay, if say you really need a firearm and you go in and you're told, thank you, we'll call you in two months. It's like, it's a crazy concept to me because what does the constitution say? What does the second amendment say? But because of the politicians and the policies in New York state, you are not allowed to have it until you go through weeks, weeks, even months of approval process. 
So to really, really emphasize this for you guys, that there is a difference. There is a difference in states and in where you want to settle down, where you want to plant your family for the long term, especially as we get into a different era of America, I would say. I just wanted to show you how this the differences between states goes so far beyond just the cost of living, just the taxes, just the weather, right? Because those are all important things to consider. And of course, moving away from those blue states into red states, those are all wonderful things, right? I moved down south and I get the warm weather, the sunshine, everything is so affordable compared to New York state, the taxes. I mean, Texas doesn't even have an income tax. <laughs> it's it's wonderful, right? But I'm here to tell you that those things are just a part of the considerations that you should take into mind because it's more of a matter of does you, the state that you are living in and the politicians, the law enforcement, the people, the voters and the institutions, do they all believe in freedom in decentralized government in the constitution? Do they believe in free will and autonomy over our own lives or will they continue to fall in line with federal level centralized power authority that is leaning into tyranny will they comply with tyranny and help the federal level people infringe on your freedom okay it's really really important will they protect you from federal tyranny like they should because we're in a system that's a constitutional republic rooted in federalism where you have different levels of power on purpose because our founders said wow Centralized power, super bad. We need to give power to the state so they can check the federal government and vice versa. And we also have the local governments that can check the state and the federal government. And then we have the people with their own powers that can check all of those branches as well. That was very important to the founders. And then on top of that, will they comply with the leftist movements? Will they be too financially tied to the leftist movements, the institutions, the politicians in D.C.? Because sometimes states get a little too financially dependent on federal money, and then they can't resist. <laughs> they can't resist the tyranny because they've gotten themselves in a huge financial pickle, and they don't have the ability to deny the tyranny anymore because they, they need to comply or else they're not going to get the financial aid that they need for all their programs. It's a whole problem, right? So I just wanted to give you a little view into what it's like to live in a state that doesn't respect your freedom. Here's an article from 2022 about New York State and firearms. So this came out in June. It says, prior to Thursday's Supreme Court ruling, anyone applying for a concealed carry handgun permit in New York State had to demonstrate a proper cause, quote, proper cause, end quote, <laughs> which courts interpret as a, quote, specific need for self-defense, end quote, for carrying a handgun outside of the home. Otherwise, applicants could only receive restricted licenses. A person may be permitted to carry a concealed handgun, but only within certain parameters, such as carrying to and from work, but nowhere in between. However, those restrictions are no longer after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a New York state law restricting concealed carry usage. It was decided along party lines 6-3. to three. According to Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple, there are still other qualifications one must meet, which could determine whether a permit is issued or not. So, just a little side note. Let's talk about number one. So you had New York State state policy that said you can't conceal carry unless you apply to the government and give a good reason for why you need to carry. What's the good reason? Can my reason be that I'm five feet tall and maybe don't want to get mugged or shot or killed or attacked or raped or anything? I'd like to be able to defend myself. Is that a good reason, New York State? I don't know. 
So you have to have a good reason, but the good reason will be determined if it is good or not by the government. Thank you so much. The second thing to consider is, okay, so we have a sheriff of a county. County sheriffs are very important. I would say probably the most important or one of the most important elections in your area. Does the sheriff comply with federal tyranny and state tyranny or will they protect your rights? That's their job to enforce law. So will they enforce unconstitutional law on you and your family, your community? That's a big question. It matters a lot. So please pay attention to those races. So this is what Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple said about whether or not you will get a concealed carry permit in New York State. Quote, you have to have great integrity. You are a good character. You're certainly not a criminal, or if you were, it was something stupid you did 15 years ago. Many times judges won't look past 10, explained Sheriff Apple about some of the qualifications. Quote, so again, the judge could look at those qualities and look at your character and say, I would have given you this and restricted it, but now I don't think I'm gonna. End quote. So what do we have to say about this? So the government is going to look at you, the judges, the law system is going to look at you on behalf of the government and ask if you were in good character. What do you do when just saying something like, hey, I don't think kids should be reading porn in schools. Maybe that's kind of bad. I want to make sure that that's not. What if they call you racist and sexist and hateful towards LGBTQ for making sure kids aren't reading porn or being divided in the classroom by race and experiencing nastiness at the hands of government indoctrination teachers. What if you say that? And then these days, because even I, as a conservative woman, am called anti-woman, I'm hateful, I'm bigoted, I am misogynistic. I get called these bad words all the time. And who often works in government? Left-leaning bureaucrats. I'm sorry, but these matter. What does the judge view as good character? What if it's a leftist judge that sees your social media and goes, oh my gosh, this person can never own a gun. They're conservative. You know what I mean? Like they say some horrible stuff about us. So now we've got the sheriff and the judge saying you got to be in good character. And this is of the county as well. Keep in mind. So it's multiple levels of government. The next thing, this is fascinating. Here are some eligibility requirements to have a firearm license and concealed carry permit in New York state. One, you must be a New York state resident. Two, you must be 21 years old. Okay. Three, you must have no prior felony or serious offense convictions. And four, you must be of good moral character. So again, those are the four things. What does be of good moral character mean in America? Because I think if you ask two different political sides, they would say very different things. And that is really that general evaluation. Good moral character really concerns me. Okay. So here's now what the county sheriff continues to say. When it comes to issuing concealed carry permits, the job falls on individual counties. Sheriff Apple says the application process can take upwards of several months. The process in Albany County, according to the sheriff, takes an average of six months before a decision is made. New York State does not require prior training or experience with firearms before you apply. So say I'm a young woman and I feel uncomfortable because you know what? Crime is getting a little bad here in New York State. I think we need to apply for a concealed carry permit. The government says, thanks, we're going to um, look all into your life and you're going to have to wait about six months before we have an answer for you. During that time, law enforcement will go through nearly everything in a person's history, from a credit check to speaking with friends and family. Quote, we send investigators out. We do neighborhood checks. We take a few photos and put it in the background check. 
we talk to former spouses, former girlfriends, current girlfriends, current spouses, whatever the case may be. So they could... (laughs) So the county government, law enforcement, is going to go talk to your exes before they approve you to have a firearm concealed carry. The sheriff believes removing the, quote, proper cause restriction could increase the number of applications. He says every time the gun words come up, either pro or con, people think they're going to get their guns taken. So they go out and buy more guns and they start filing for pistol permits. So that's New York State for you. Whereas in Texas, I'm a five foot tall lady. I go into the gun store because I want to conceal carry for my personal safety. And I'm an empowered young woman, thanks to the Second Amendment. And they give me my gun. And then I go home and I'm safe in my home and I'm safe wherever I go. In New York state, I try to do the same thing and they go talk to my exes and stalk my social media. (laughs) And that's what I want to bring up next. When you go to the New York state website to get concealed carry, it says, what are the new requirements as of 2023 to obtain a concealed carry license? The new requirements are a proof of completion of a firearm safety training course four character references a list of former and current social media accounts over the last three years, and a disclosure of applicant's spouse or domestic partner. Oh, and an in-person interview of the applicant with the licensing officer slash designee. So did you guys see that? So to get a concealed carry permit in New York State, you need to give the government a list of all of your social media accounts, and they will stalk you on social media. You also have to be in good moral character. What do you do? If the people are leaning left and they decide that you are no longer in good moral character because you do things like stand up for child innocence, what do you do? (laughs) If they look at anything that you said having to do with an election or with a person that you support and they decide that you are no longer of good moral character and because you live in that state, you are not given your Second Amendment right. Very, very disturbing stuff. So I say all that because it is important for us to be aware that different states have different policies. It matters where you live. If you want to take positive solutions and take on that responsibility, we all need to look at the things that we are doing in our individual lives. We all need to make sure that we're having honest and open conversations about what causes the shootings that happened at places like Nashville. And we all have to make sure that we're taking policy and different state views into account when we're settling down and choosing where we want to raise our families as things get weird. Okay, that being said, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you.